I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with both animals and humans, individually and together, in reuniting body and soul. I am the bridge for relationships between earthlings of all species so that the ripple effects of energetic shifts by each is honored and valued. I'm an animal communicator, medium, medical intuitive, and I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support all earthlings in their recovery from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. There I was having a business meeting that in all likelihood would be similar to the three martini lunches of yore between colleagues and good friends. Only ours usually involves multiple trips to the lunch buffet and endless cups of delicious chai at the Indian restaurant that is our geographically located midway point on a map. That midway being between Aurora and Lakewood, Colorado, where we both live. It's a good thing that we're in the same state and have the luxury of getting together for what is precious time indeed to both of us. For me, the rarity of having someone in my life who not only speaks the language of dogs, she's a dog trainer, and as well speaks the language of energy, even if she doesn't think she does, makes our lunches that much more special. Because it's exhilarating and it's grounding all at the same time, which tells me the energy between us is authentic and that much more life-giving to me. I usually tell her at some point that she does, in fact, speak the language of energy. She usually says that she doesn't. And we laugh endlessly at our shared stories, sometimes sprinkled with anonymous clients and problem-solve the same clients together. She's definitely the one to whom I send my animal communication clients if they are in need of a trainer because she speaks the language of energy and knows that while her connection with the dog is somewhat of a given, it's her understanding of and connection with the guardian, the human, that matters the most. Because again, she wants to make, like I do, the relationship between the animal and the human better and knows that it's not about the training per se. It's about the bond between different species. This latest business lunch took place at a breakfast slash lunch place that was close to my next appointment of the day. And although it didn't have endless cups of chai, the dynamic between us was the same and our time together ended much too soon. It was not a coincidence, and y'all know how I feel about those, that I should meet up with this FPF favorite person forever, given the topic for this week's podcast of dog reactivity. And I'm glad I remembered to ask her about this before our air quotes, we call it this, we joke, we kid, business lunch ended. We align on about 98% of dog and human interactions in that she's all about the end result as I am and how we get to that end result needs to be rooted in positivity. Now, That doesn't mean that there won't be perhaps some bracing truths along the way, and mostly for the human involved, because it's about looking under the surface of what we see in the animal's behavior that can be a blurry mirror in the beginning of our own intentions. And at times, it's about looking in the same mirror, as I'm fond of saying, on a bad hair day, because who wants to see that? 
Well, your animal companion for one, because it's impossible for them not to see it, just as it's impossible for them to not see their own bad hair behavior. And you know, I tell this to clients all the time, and it's so true, animals narc on themselves. They are the first to give themselves up all of the time, and they're also the first ones to offer the olive branch when it comes to compromise. For instance, they'll say, oh yeah, that barking, that barking has gotten really out of hand. I know that, and here's how you can help me. Or they might say, yes, I am well aware that I'm not using the litter box, and I can feel your frustration and worry with this, in addition to my own anxiety that I'm feeling about the whole situation and in general. So, let me tell you what's going on from my perspective so that maybe I can grow more confident again and trust you and me both. And I say that it's impossible for them not to see their contrast or ours because, well, they don't see it as contrast, right? They only experience the imbalance away from their natural state of joy and feeling good, They don't have a name for it, and they don't separate it out as being bad, like humans often do. There's no assumption that it isn't going to occur, because they know that it's actually an integral part of what we call light. And they know that it isn't likely to cease to exist on this planet, because there is a fixed design on this planet. And that's where we differ so greatly from them. They embrace all of this glorious imperfection, if you will, because they don't see it as imperfection, as they know that instantly tends to polarize to either one side or the other, rather than remaining openly neutral and therefore clear in the middle. All they're interested in is unity that is reached through duality via balance and partnership on earth. And they would add, quote, We're all here for such a short period of time. Why are you trying to change what isn't in your soul's best interest to change? You're here in this experience to gain awareness that adds to the evolutionary path of your soul and to have fun doing just that. Everything else is irrelevant. And even with those words, I hope you're feeling the breezy effortlessness with which animals inhabit their experience so dang gracefully. And so my dog trainer slash personal chef, oh, I didn't mention that before, did I? And not that she's my personal chef, although perhaps she might be at some point in the future. She still has dog clients on the side, as she says, and her main business is with her chef husband, is that of personal chef for anything from a special two-person anniversary celebration up to a 75-person small wedding. And as a two-person operation, you might imagine they are wait staff, kitchen staff, front of house, and corporate management all rolled up into one whose attention to detail is something that you just can't get with other larger catering operations. The photos alone on their Instagram page make your mouth water. I'll put a link to that in the podcast notes just because I'm a fan of both of her businesses. And as she and I often talk about, when you're in business for yourself, you are the work product, right? When you hire me, you get me as well as the information and support I provide. And at the same time, you also get my integrity, my values, and my passion, just as you do with any other service, be it a dog trainer or a personal chef. 
And as we talked over our lunch and our business meeting, that same baseline of foundational energy isn't always present in who you hire. And sometimes it gets lost in the translation or it gets lost when you hire someone else to do what you do. I know I'm digressing a bit, and yet underneath, it's all the same with all beings in planetary experience. We are a sum total, all of us, of our past experiences, our personality, and our choices about who we want to be. That's why she and I both prefer the company of animals and not over humans necessarily. It's just that it's rare to find other humans who've gotten to the neutrality and clarity point of seeing the world as an animal does outside of human influence, because there's an innocence there and also a willingness to see and feel most things, because there's an understanding, a knowingness, if you will, that how you feel doesn't change anything about what is happening. And how you feel is the best way forward for you to get to a place where you feel better. And so the animals would say, it's remarkably simple. Quote, do you want to feel bad or do you want to feel good most of the time? We're not talking about all the time, just 70, 80% of the time. There's always going to be 20 or more percent that's not so good, and you still get to decide what to do with that 20 or so percent. Of course, our ambassador has spoken to you about the importance of spelling and the energy of words, and yet you are misinterpreting at times our language, especially when it comes to labeling our reactivity. To be clear, it is rooted, as is yours, in the biological cause of either fear or pain, and sometimes both, and yet it is mislabeled as aggression, which does all of us a disservice. I would note, as an aside, on this one point, my FPF, dog trainer, slash personal chef, and I agree. I would go further and say that only the human animal is capable of sustained aggression that is rooted in anger against a perceived opponent. The animals continue, quote, While you might think that an Elvis lip curl, as I call it, or a low-throated growl is reaction labeled as aggression, so too can a highly held, slightly wagging tail, hard stare, and stiff body be a dialect of reactivity. So what else can be looked at as a dialect of reactivity that outwardly may look fine to us? Maybe initially a little, I'm not so sure about this, yet Inside to the dog is just another way to act first in defense and ask questions later. Some of these may surprise you for sure. As a side note, I have to interject a super fun word (laughs) that came across my social media feed this week with no coincidence at all, growlery. It's a word coined by none other than Charles Dickens in his novel, Bleak House, and it was the name chosen for a one-room cabin in the woods used by Frederick Douglass, who sat on the Supreme Court. By definition, it is viewed as an archaic term, although I think we ought to bring it back. (laughs) And its strict definition is, quote, a place to retreat to alone when ill-humored. So, in essence then, a place where one can go to be alone when in a bad mood, and I'm thinking, (laughs) growl to your heart's content, growlery. 
And it's interesting that when I propose this concept to dog and even cat and other species may weigh in as we go, I receive in return an Aussie or other, they would say, intelligent breed head tilt. And to my intelligent qualifier question back, there's a bit of a side eye and I'm shown other breeds who dog would say are just as vital as the intelligent ones and, quote, we need a broad spectrum after all. And to be certain, that's a bit of shade being thrown, although it certainly fits with the unity within duality via balance and partnership theme of the world of animals, right? I'm hearing there's room for everyone and, quote, none are looked down upon for who they are and honesty is always the best policy. There's an interesting feeling of the more we can see clearly now, as the song goes, about who everyone is, the more we can make certain we support where everyone is to receive what is in their highest and best good, to obtain joy in every moment. It's that lack of judgment that all animals lead with that gets me every single time. They just see what is, and in doing so, release what is to make room for all the possible options and choices for everyone involved. In our human-centric way, we think that there are way more steps involved, and well, there just aren't. Using the same neutral and clear perspective and without any preconceived notions about what is or isn't present, we can also be more effective guardians for our canine companions when it comes to reactivity. Because sometimes what we think in a kind of sort of anthropomorphic way is, oh, isn't that nice? They're so friendly. Jumping up with exuberant greeting and invading physical space of other beings may not be friendly underneath at all. It's a way to have the best offense through a good defense. So picture this. You're on a walk with your favorite animal companions. And if you only have one at present, let's give you two. (laughs) I think they're better in pairs myself. Now, let's also give you one that has a fast, overt, reactive mode of the growl, the stiff tail, hackles raised, and charging hard at whatever they perceive to be fearful. And the other dog that you have has a covert shall we say, hidden, reactive mode of not knowing a stranger and so also charges forward or perhaps lopes forward with ears back, perhaps open mouth, tail wagging, and determined to make a friend out of everyone lest an enemy come forward first and claim that unknown space. That unknown space we could further define as the space of time and energy that decreases with distance, the closer two beings of energy come towards each other, who each have a completely unique and individual set of energetic vibrational frequencies. A visual might be a bit like two tops in a closed box who are in danger, literally, (laughs) of bouncing off of each other simply because each has a different rate of speed, rotation, and direction. So we're going to let that sink in just a little bit here. And, true story, this is exactly the situation with one of my favorite clients and her two canine companions. And what adds to the complexity is that, due to the job of the guardian, they need to walk both the dogs at the same time, and the walks need to be of a certain physical distance because of the genetics of these mixed-breed dogs. Remember, we cannot take genetics out of a dog, and so a working-breed dog, such as, say, a husky, 
is going to look at a job differently than, say, a border collie, even though they both need a job to do, such as a walk. We'll add into this mix that one of the dogs was adopted less than a year ago into this family, and the other dog has been with the family for quite some time and through several significant losses of other canine family members rather close together. Wowza. Even now, for me, those swirling edges of energy are all quite chock full, and if your body and head are also feeling a bit dizzy, dear listener, that's okay too. We'll just breathe through it, you and I. And honestly, you know, for the most part, this particular family has done beautifully throughout every ebb and flow, peak and valley, all the way from those animal companion transitions and physical moves to welcoming a new animal family member whose history for the most part was unknown because with a fair number of adoptions, the past experiences that may have molded the sympathetic nervous system response of reactivity are a bit of a mystery. And the only way, absent someone like me shining a light there, we tend to hang our hat on their behavior and what we see. Certainly, I think it's true in the wild that the majority of predators charge first, or in our human-centric language, attack first, when in reality, they are also going with the best offense as a good defense, so that underlying the fierceness of their charge mode is likely fear or pain. We often see this in animals who are wounded, and because we think that they should know we're just trying to help, they shouldn't then defend themselves with talons or teeth or sharp beaks. That's something that their nervous system is simply not hardwired to do, because even though we may act as rescuer, our energetic fingerprint is still nevertheless of an apex predator that could easily end their life path as well as we might help them continue that same life path. And even with the different dialects of the reactivity language used by the two different breeds of dogs during a typical morning walk, we would be well advised to really understand what it is we think we're seeing and using the language of energy, delve just a bit deeper into the rings of this onion I'm hearing about how to address the different components of the different kinds of reactivity especially if with the covert dialect, another equally exuberant dog comes toward our group on a spring morning walk, and within seconds, the very atmosphere of energy starts to crackle in an unpleasant way when the other dog's guardian says as they approach, oh, don't worry, my dog is really friendly, so you'll be just fine. Famous last words, as many people have shared with me, and even in the quasi-controlled, fenced-in environment of a dog park. And you know, when we so often look at walking our dogs as a task, and I cannot tell you how many people I see walking with their heads down and their eyes on their phone or perhaps listening to a favorite podcast during a dog walk, this is not the time to be distracted. And it is the time to be fully present with your companion animals so that you can as well moderate your own emotional response. We're not going to forget about you. You're part of this as well. Knowing what the reactivity dialect your animals speak to better hold space for them as a calm, confident, and comfortable human who is ultimately responsible for their health and well-being at all times. They know this. (laughs) We're the ones who don't seem to get that. And then we act all surprised and, oh my gosh, and so this happened and this came out of nowhere. 
And I would probably respectfully disagree that it came out of nowhere because I think if you knew your canine companion really deep down, you would know this was just waiting to happen. It might feel a bit slippery, this newish world of energy into which you're being invited, and one perhaps that you think, well, geez, why don't they have more warning signs or information or something to help me? Well, they do. It's called awareness of the moment, and I'll go out on a limb, the language of energy. Ride the wave I'm hearing, as change is the only constant— You've got everything to gain, and this will hold you in good stead as you help other beings who only know energy. And at least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. To schedule online, go to LizanneFlynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy, and online psychic fairs. The episodes of this podcast are available on my YouTube channel, complete with subtitles. You'll find that link in my podcast footer, and that will be another chance to subscribe to this podcast. You'll also find a link in the podcast footer for my subscription service, where you can sign up to give recurring support. It starts out as little as $3 per month. The animals and I thank you in advance. Tune in in two weeks' time, where the next message from our animal ambassador, Spider is already waiting. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.